Welcome back to the PYP, the Practical Youth Pastor. I'm your host, Chris Hahn, along with special guest... Dave George. <laughs> <laughs> Legendary. Because it's funny, because I kept use, giving a soft G yeah, to you, a J. You called him Yorg or Gorg? J. It is Jorg. George. George. Oh, no, yeah. Dave George? Yeah. My name gets butchered. It's the shortest yeah. last name, but it gets butchered in a million ways. It's, I love it. It's like my favorite yeah, thing about J.org. It's Dorg. It's Dave yeah. J.org. Dave Jorg. Jorg. Yeah. Like Jorgensen without all the other like stuff. Jorgensen. Because that's too hard to spell. You're better than that. Is your last name Dutch? Yeah. I like it. Dutchman. Well, it should be. What are we talking about word. today, Christopher? And Steve Johnson. Hi. I got it in without you overlapping over me. Yeah, so no, music really no music behind it. No music behind it, so that. that's fine. Um, all right, today what we're going to talk about is, and you actually were the catalyst of this a few weeks ago or whatever. Excellent. We were talking about it. It came up again with Lindsay a couple of days ago in a, 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 just a situation that we came in contact with. And I was like, you know what? I don't think we've talked about this on the on the podcast yet, but um, counseling, mm. when to hand it off, when to engage, how to engage. Um, obviously, maybe we've talked about this in the past, but just as we're hearing about people coming out of pandemic and stuff the you know, things like depression, anxiety and stuff are going through the roof in certain communities. And so that lends itself to a lot of parents saying, well, maybe you need to see a psychologist yeah, or psychiatrist or something. And to talk about some of these things, but I mean, we are, you know, we are the church and we are counselors. Jesus is the counselor, holy counselor. Right. And, and so a lot of these wonderful, lot of, a lot of these things. Wonderful come, counselor. I'm thinking counselor. more in the Catholic sense, but um, you, you always do. <laughs> wonderful <laughs> counselor, <laughs> Prince of Peace. Yeah, I didn't memorize that. So it's a Christmas song, but okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was just, you know, I think a lot of people really could profit from this. It's something kind of fresh on both of our minds. I don't know about Dave, George, <laughs> Jorg, Jorg, Jorgen. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's something we regularly face, I think. And I think that a lot of people regularly do. So I just wanted to talk about that. How do you engage and work with counselors in your community? How should a youth pastor think about counselors? How should they talk to uh, parents about counselors, psychiatrists? We're not going to, I don't, I mean, we can dip into like Jay Adams and Nuthetic Counseling if you oh, want to. I was just integrationist. All the, you know, all the different forms or whatever that are, that exist out there. But um, but I mostly want to talk about scenarios. Okay, with y'all. Uh, so a kid comes into your into your office or into the Starbucks where you mm-hmm. you have your ad hoc. Gets in my office, jeep, right? Hops in your jeep. That's creepy. And there we've you. been telling you that for years. Doors are off. <laughs> kid needs accountability now. The scenario is over as soon as he gets a in the jeep. A jeep is just, and you have a four door jeep. That's just a sexy van. So is it <laughs> basically? Yeah, but I take the doors off, you guys. I'm a professional. Anyway, yeah, yeah when so no kids are in there. So it's the approach. Um, oh, accountability. My doors are off. Yeah, when the kids aren't getting in there. But um, it's. It's one of those things like counseling is one of those things that's always there. It seems like we're always counseling. We're always working with kids. But what what happens when a kid elevates, like their need elevates, and you're like, ooh, this is definitely a counseling scenario. So let's talk about what those things are. When would your antenna, your flag start raising when you're like, ooh, this is a counseling scenario. I need to take this a little bit more seriously and be more sober-minded with it. 
So when would when should a youth pastor be more sensitive and move into that more counseling lane when a kid comes to him? What do y'all think? Well, you you mentioned scenarios. Recently, I sat down with uh, a father and a son, and we were talking about a situation that is too easily identifiable, so I won't give you the specifics of it. However, the mom and the dad had taken a stance against a certain point of interest, uh, a vein of entertainment, if you will, that the, the, young, the youngster was really uh, fascinated by. It was becoming a bigger and bigger thing. Like a neutral form of entertainment or some It's more of like a culture. Okay. It's an online culture. And we sat there and uh, I could tell that the dad wanted me at one point to um, almost mediate. And I said, okay, well, let me just say one thing to the student. I said, I'm not here as a mediator because you and your dad are not the same. Your dad is... God's man in your life. He's the head of the household. He has the authority. We, you, this is what you owe your dad. We read the passages on obedience. I read the Shemot for the dad. This is what you owe God. I said, so if, if we can talk in these terms, we can talk about it. Um, but then some things came up that I realized were more than just uh, maybe an idolatry or a, a culture that he really ought to avoid. And that's when I just kind of mentioned, hey, this, this is, this may require more, right? I, I could tell that I was, I had one thing prepared. I'd asked a lot of questions. We engaged, but it was obvious that I, I would have gotten out of my depth if, in fact, there were other concerns. Another time last week, or two weeks ago, um, I was in a situation where it became really, really evident that I ought not to be alone with this individual. It was a guy, and I realized the dad or the son. N- neither of these two, different yeah. scenario, entirely yeah. different. This oh, is, okay, sorry. This sorry. is yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'd actually reached out to to you guys in Texas and asked if we had any counselors, and you'd mentioned John Miller, friend friend of the show. Um. And in that situation, I was reminded that there are times where I'm not positioned to counsel somebody one on one. So the first is an example of once I, I, I was aware that I'd gotten out of my depth and I felt that it was okay to then push this kind of back onto the parents as their rightful role with me as a supplement, as a come alongside, as a friend of the family, as a resource. I could take it, this is what scripture says, but when it came to the authority, I wasn't going to prescribe, dad, mom, you need to do this, 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 and this. Mm-hmm. Now, was, uh, you know, a pastor, a licensed counselor, maybe they felt more comfortable with that, but I was very aware of what my limitations were. With the other one, I realized what would be considered appropriate and and inappropriate. So those are the two things, is being able to know and identify when you're out of your depth is one very important one, and the other thing is is realizing when it, it would be inappropriate for you to be the person counseling. Um, and I think that one of the things that I failed to do in both of those situations was have that next step in mind. Mm-hmm. But that, who would be my back? But that's but that's kind of the question, though. Is how do you know when you're out of your depth, right? Yeah. That's kind of the question. Is how do you know that this situation is elevated um, practically? 
Like you got to sense. Oh, sorry. Right. So you're out. So sense about it, but as as I'm, you know, I'm thinking about it. One very tangible place as I'm talking to somebody and kind of getting to know the situation. If it seems evident that this has moved into a place where the kid, whoever is dealing with some sort of an addiction, mm-hmm. this this is an area where it's not just they're starting to dabble and make choices that aren't right, and you're able to kind of go to the scriptures and talk about this, but there's something that's been going on that now at this point there's a just a level of addiction and compulsivity to it that is grabbing on to the actual neurons in their brain at a different level. And it can be with anything, right? Eating disorders, drugs, um, social media addictions. You've got all these things. And if you get to that point where it's just apparent, this is an addiction. I think that's a place where you start to say for sure. I mean, I think there are other places too where you might be out of your depth um, and I might be out of my depth, maybe even case by case, topic by topic. Like I, I feel like I know more about this than that, but right away that if you're seeing a kid that's dealing at that level, it's a, I love how you threw it back into the proper domain with, with the one kid and his dad mm-hmm. of just, you sometimes it's, yeah, it's counseling the parents. Remember you're the parent, right? Like, you know, you've got to make you got to take your your authority back and as a as a child of this man you need to give your father that authority back and who knows who's wrong on that who, but in terms of who let the authority go or who didn't give it it's probably a combination but i love how you threw that back into that proper spot um because then they have a, a proper way to start to deal with it if it does involve bringing in a professional counselor or not um so well no i think that's an excellent point and the the other scenario that arises that i think you know chris you've got a girls coordinator so it's different and i used to but when it comes to parents reaching out and counseling for their daughters which is almost always an eating disorder i find it really difficult at least in our town to even find counselors because a lot of times they want a woman so if you're listening to this and you have your degree, you should come to Tucson and hang a shingle because <laughs> yeah. you will fill your patient list fast. Well, that was, and that was Very one fast. of my other questions when you started introducing the topic is like, how do you even find a good counselor to recommend to the parents in yeah. your ministries? Right. I mean, this is mm-hmm. at least in if Tucson, this is really tough and there are a few, but they get busy really quick and, and, how do you identify who's going to actually work with your worldview mm-hmm. of of treating the Bible as authority, yeah, um, or not? And that's and that's another level, another layer. Well, mm-hmm. especially, yeah, it's if you're not at a church <coughs> with resources, because some churches have a pastor on staff and they can fill their week with that. But for churches mm-hmm. that are smaller. There's no such luxury. What do you think, Christopher? It's funny you should ask that. Can I also just point out, so if our listeners don't pick up on it, there's such a darkness about Chris today. He's glossed over with a saccharine sweet, life is great, but I I know you're in there somewhere, Chris. Come come back to us. 
I'm serious. Life is really good right now. Like it, it truly is. He has it's tears good. streaming down his cheeks. <laughs> it's really great. <laughs> she left me. Let she me left go us. Home. He left us. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I think it's something that I've bumped into a lot. My, my wife and I started a counseling program about, um, I don't know, thirteen years ago. Wow. To like, we we were, weren't the authors were creators of the program. <laughs> Not twenty eight. And um, no, 25, something like that at a church. And uh, when we moved down to South Alabama to work at a church, we had to essentially stop because we couldn't go to the classes anymore and uh, finish up the certification of it. Um, I mean, we continue to read the books and read the, you know, the, the literature. And then we like regularly are digging into just counseling things. I've been to a number of counseling conferences on just gender, sexuality, cutting, um, in different things as it's practical for like what I'm facing in youth ministry and just had a, a lot of really strange opportunities to do that because of just other, you know how it is like you're in ministry for so long and then you, you figure out who the specialist is in each area within your network or your sphere of influence. And so I was just able to go to a lot of these weird conferences that, that handled nothing but cutting or nothing but homosexuality, nothing but gender ideas, like all these other things. So, um, it's allowed me to continue education in that in that form without formally getting any type of credential <laughs> other than just school yeah. of hard knocks. Yeah. Um so there's there's a whole lot of things that I think about. One is where when a kid comes in or a parent comes in with a particular situation, um, what does your heart say? <laughs> if your gut is and I'm saying that jokingly, right? But I but, don't think humor is funny. <laughs> right. Um, but it it really is like if your gut is starting to turn in such a way that you're like I'm you're getting the sense that I don't know exactly what to do um, then I think you need to trust that gut reaction that really truly could be the Holy Spirit guiding you to be humble and say this is out of your um, out of your depth don't act like you've got it all together and you need to be honest about what you don't know Right. And be able to say, I, I don't have a lot of experience in this area. Can I phone a friend? Can I include some other people into this? I think if any parent is serious enough to come to you, uh, sure, you're going to have some off-the-wall situations where they come to you and you're like, uh, the kid's not the problem. You are, actually. Yeah. You know? But if a parent is actually coming to the youth leader about a deep uh, mental, emotional, scarring, dangerous lifestyle practice or, or whatever position that their kid is in, that parent's actually probably pretty desperate. Well, especially if they're not going to the lead, like to the teaching elder yeah. or the senior pastor. Why, why do you think that is the case though, that, that parents, cause we've all had parents bring their kids directly to us. Why, why did, is it that they, they see the youth pastor as the kid's pastor and then the senior pastor is their pastor. Do yeah. you think that's part of why that gets brought to us sometimes? Sure. I mean, it could be splitting hairs on exactly. I mean, a lot of it most of the time comes down to who you have a greater relationship and interaction with, you Mm -hmm. know, because if you're interacting way more with the youth pastor, which chances are you are right. Um, Unless you're in a much smaller church where the youth pastor or the the senior pastor is kind of the youth guy, too. Yeah. But um, chances are you are engaging with the youth leader most of the time and that there's a higher grade of comfort and you are the youth pastor right so your specialty is in youth whereas the senior pastor probably not 
Um, sure, they may have experience in it. I don't know if it's so much the title or so much like just the title of the lofty idea of that this is the senior pastor, therefore this person can you know, be the one ring to rule them all, every category. I don't see a lot of people go into the senior pastor over children's ministry issues and developmental issues over their little kids either. So let me ask you this, especially for elder-run churches, why do you think that people, by and large, don't take these problems to an elder? Why, oh, Dr. Phil. Oh, he's not Dr. an Dr. No, no, no I'm, I'm just saying the authoritarian idea of our society lends itself to say, an elder is just an elder. He's a businessman. He doesn't have any ability to theos, you know, to admonish and to walk alongside that weird theos each one and another to admonish one another, and that's our role within the local church. They don't see an elder as that authoritative as a figure with specialties. I see. And the the institution of modern psychology, then the institution of sensationalized modern psychology in the form of media like Doctor Phil, Doctor Oz, and all these other mm-hmm. specialists that you see, Doctor Quinn. Medicine woman, she's one of my favorite. Jane Seymour, don't buy the heart diamond thing. That's a load of crap. But like, yeah, it, been there. It really is. I mean, I think society lends itself to authoritarian positions where you're going to go to the ultimate authority as quick, quick as you can, and the senior pastor may be seen as that, though they may not be equipped to handle that with an adolescent or a young kid. Right? Is that a is that a function of an unhealthy church that we're not combating? Yeah. That type of a, a cultural mindset in our churches to be able to see, to a, let's let's ordain elders that are worthy of the calling of being shepherds. Yeah, and let's also create a culture at our church that recognizes that's what the elders are here for. They're not CEOs to run. Yeah, the church that way, they're given by God to watch over the care of the souls of the people in the church. And so that's, I'd say culturally that's probably a, a big indicator of what the problem. I mean, we have to look for a psychologist now for every problem and yeah. not that it, there aren't problems that need that because I do think there are, but like yeah. you're saying, kind of the default answer is not the elders. It's, it's, the psychologist or it's Dr. Phil or it's the self-help book. Right. And, and how can we turn that a little bit as church leaders and, and, and start to try to find ways to help change people's minds and create yeah. a better culture for that. Well, Have y'all seen that work in a healthy, I mean, I've seen it a few times in churches where they empower, like where the pastor says clearly, I am one among many in a plurality of leadership that have been called and ordained to minister and to shepherd and to guard right. the flock. And that if you're experiencing things, we want to walk with you through it. But then you have the next step of, okay, well, this young Actually doing it. person comes and, you know, Dookie hits the fan. Let's see where, oh. where we go when the rubber hits the road and, and it goes nowhere. And quickly they're like, we're out of our depth. Well, I think I think you and '90s heartthrob Chris O'Donnell make good points about the fact that the system is not necessarily <laughs> what it should be. But for our practical listeners, hopefully, you take this as an encouragement to understand that if it's been at 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 best bent, at worst broken, somewhere along the line, you ought not to feel the impetus or the pressure 
to then hold the line and be the last stop. Because I think one of the worst things we can do is fall into that imposter syndrome and think, well, nothing else is designed to help them, so I need to give yeah. that advice because the weight of your position matters. Yeah. And people, obviously, if they trust you enough to come to you, then what you're going to say has extra punch. Scripture talks about us being doubly accountable. Yeah. And so it's not just to protect them, but it's also to protect you in those situations. And so if you if you look at, you know, their senior pastor isn't hasn't been approached, the elders aren't, it's okay for you to help redirect them to some of those resources. They may not see the elders as a resource, but but you can you can hopefully change that perspective. Yeah, it's it's certainly a both and for elders, for pastors of a trying to create that culture and and become the elder under shepherd that uh, seems to be laid out in scripture there and to try to do that role well and try to help people understand that's your role but also to do it um, in humility with a limp and so part of that is beginning to know what you don't know right that's a it's an important part of it is to really understand what you don't know so that you do know when you're out of your depth um, but I think it's, it still is that point where people, their first, their first place to come when they're starting to experience a need should be to their, their body of believers around them. Right. And, and so that should be their first reaction of help me work through this. Help me to see, do I see this rightly? Am I being circumspect about all this stuff? And then Mm-hmm. Can we start navigating what the best path to health is? And and it's going to be a multifaceted path for sure. And so that's, yeah, finding out what you don't know so that you can help people rightly, like, like Steve has said. Um, you ask about whether churches are doing this. Um, the church that I'm at has started doing that in the last few years, and we're not doing it super well yet we're doing we're doing a lot better than we have of just being intentional about saying um elder training is about being a biblical elder and how can we help equip all of us to do that with our various gifts how can we do that well to be shepherds of the flock and not managers of a corporation mm-hmm. um and so that's one level of it but on a on a very just practical level it's all right, our members are going to be broken up into groups and every one of you is accountable to at least have touch points with everybody in your group. That doesn't mean that you have to have a sit down with them every week, but you should have enough touch points with them that you get a sense when something's going on or that they know you well enough that they know they can come and talk to you. Yeah. And so uh, learning how to do that has been a challenge um, and some relationships are a lot easier because you just get you you have things in common with people easier and then there's some other people on your list that maybe you don't know as well and it's harder to get to know them and and so you have to work through that but i think that's been a really neat interesting type thing to help on both ends just creating a culture of shepherding and um, care mm-hmm. for each other. So I, th- that's such an, a good take because I think sitting down to this, I would immediately 
fall back into what I would normally do and try and take that pragmatism and say, okay, well, who do I know outside of my church that I can resource? But I, I was missing the, the thinking of the fact that, no, no, within the church, the resources are probably there. And rather than the touch and go, it's, it's kind of like when someone does a men's retreat, it's always stronger to have men from your church teach that so that the men that have follow-up questions have accesses to them. It's not someone that's going to hop on a plane and be gone. From a from a resource perspective of your of your elders and even fellow members at times, especially if it's a young lady and you know you're looking for that Titus woman, there's almost a better strategy there because the longevity is available, and you're not being scheduled six weeks out. Because that was one thing, one of the guys that had been recommended to me, you know, he's scheduling six and eight weeks out, mm-hmm. and, so, and so a lot of times. And especially in teenage years, <laughs> that's they could kill themselves in six yeah. to eight weeks. Yeah. yeah, which is what I yelled into the receiver as I hung <clears> up. <throat> which that wasn't fair to the receptionist. She was just answering my question. Yeah, Amanda did not appreciate. Yeah, that but I heard show. you guys started this counseling thing when you were twelve, and I wanted to get <laughs> yeah, in on it. <laughs> no, we are not master counselors whatsoever. But um, yeah, I mean, I think there's a whole lot of pieces. So if you're listening and you're in youth ministry. Um, Let's throw out some very practical things. Person comes in. Um, I'll throw out the first piece. Do Ask it. lots of questions. Yes. After every one statement you make, you have to discipline yourself to ask 10 questions. Okay, 1 to 10. Yeah, and okay. so you've got to ask really good questions. Good starter questions are, hey, so why did you want to come and meet with me today? Or, hey, what's the what's the heaviest weight hung around your neck? Use some Dave Matthews. Yeah, lyrics, or, right? or, or what's the haps? Like, yeah, what's what's the dealio, right? Um, asking clarifying questions. How's life? What's the hardest part of life right now? What's the what's what's the most difficult hurdle you have every day? Um, what's the hardest relationship you have? Just ice break the <clears> snot <throat> out of them. If I'm yeah, and right. and let them lead into it, but but provide good amount of time after each question. Don't feel like you have to clarify your question. People like to think about questions, right? Or even fill dead air. Yeah, and and just. Be okay with the pregnant pause of, so what what are, what are you coming in to, to hang out and talk about today? Well, a, se- a second thing that I would throw in there is I accidentally cut you off. And this this <laughs> this goes much stronger into your southern drawl than in my rapid fire. Boo. But recently I've heard it said that going slow um, allows everybody to engage better yeah. and to think more clearly. So even in that, and that's why you find a lot of counselors slow their cadence way down. So, so point number two, along with your asking lots of questions and not feeling like you have to have to fill the dead air, but also just keeping everything slow and methodical, Mm -hmm. which is the antithesis of how I live my life. And and doing slow without con, um, excuse me, uh, coming across condescending, you re- like you do yeah. like all of us do at Mexican restaurants. Oh well, not I all will us. have the number trays. <laughs> she's like, actually, if you eat that, you'll have the number twos. <laughs> and she says, uh, I'm going to spit in your food <laughs> in the clearest English you've ever heard. <laughs> no, but that's why I, I mentioned the Southern draw. You guys are all super slow getting up from the front porch rocker. You're mm-hmm. all drenched in sweat all the time. You move slow because. Where, mm. What else do you have, you know? You got nothing else going on, man. And I think that that would be my practical third point, which is be very present in that. Yeah. No one likes to feel like they're being handled. So even in your methodology and in your strategy, you don't want it to come across as 
though you are checking boxes off of some prefab list. Yeah. Read and react, as they say. Be yourself. Yeah. Yep. Be yourself. Except for you, Steve. Yeah, I was going to say, you can't really mean that for everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Dave, what do you think? I was also just with the questions. That's a skill. So start paying attention to the type of answers you're getting at different questions and the type of interaction and engagement that you're getting with Mm -hmm. questions. Don't be afraid to write down the questions as you're asking them so you can kind of go back and look and remember Mm -hmm. what did we talk about. Uh, Because I think that's, as I think about counseling, that's probably 90% of the battle is helping the person that you're dealing with just ask the right questions Mm -hmm. and try to take a look at the situation in the the most objective way that they can with the facts. And, and that just takes asking questions. And sometimes, you know, too, uh, you, you talk about the questions, what, you know, what's the biggest weight, what are you struggling with the most, but throw them a curveball and ask them what, what's the most awesome thing that happened this week? Yeah. Because you can kind of switch on a different part of their brain for a minute. Um, build a different level of rapport, get some different type of engagement. And you might be able to use that later on Mm -hmm. to help reinforce something that you're saying or give them a different um, answer. So every once in a while, you you know, if they're meeting with you and you know it's like, this is something serious, yeah, we should major on that. But don't be afraid to to ask a question that's more positive positive. Mm-hmm. Once in a while, just to get their take on something different. I do a, a thing <clears throat> where I'll just ask them to imagine that this one thing is placed in your life or imagine that this one thing is reduced from your life, taken away from your life. Now, how does that change your life? If this thing is added, let's say all of a sudden you, you don't have a dog in your house and nobody's allergic to him, but let's say how would a, jo- a dog change your life in your home? Or how would the dog you have right now if it was taken from you, how would that change your life? And I've heard a lot of kids uh, through the years when I say when when your dog is taken away, what happens? And I've seen a number of kids start crying, wow. and not over the loss of the pet, but uh, the loss of their the the only relationship that they feel like is healthy. Mm. And if they're able to point, pinpoint that that you, mom and dad, are here and siblings are here, but this dog is the one thing that actually loves me unconditionally. And for a parent to hear that, whether it's true or not, or, you know, influenced or whatever, that's a, that's a huge deal. And, and a lot of parents, they come in to, to meet with me and, and I'll ask the kids a lot of questions and then the kid feels comfortable to actually say it to my face when his parents are in the periphery where they just feel uncomfortable to say it directly to their kid. And if you give them affirmation and you just affirm, like you realize it's okay to feel that way. Right. You realize that's a real feeling. And parents, do you realize that it's okay for him to feel upset on this? Or even other times it's, um, you know, you ask kids a lot of times and they say, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's okay when you're in that scenario, you're you're leading that discussion and you keep saying no. Now, why do you think that is? I don't know. And I didn't finish my question yet. Why do you think that is? And you can't say, I don't know. And then they're <laughs> like, no say. <laughs> and it's like, I'm going to give you a couple, you know, 30, 45, whatever amount of time. Think of, I want you to think about it because I really want to know what your answer is. I'm like really interested to know what you think. See, and I, I find, I think it's refreshing that you're finally using your dog question 
uh, <laughs> positively. Because I've I've witnessed you when kids are screwing around during worship, lean in and say, "What would happen if something?" to take your dog away and then i see them cry yeah and, and i think you're, you're, you're doing it's this really in the positive no but isn't that that's <laughs> such a good idea of a back door i mm. really know you were just telling me the other day about how you were in a counseling session and your counselor yeah. asked you this very yeah. same question what if i took chris's dog away i was the like, guy yeah yeah he was and, and your was marriage like, is fixed i was like i sweep way less um it'd be awesome could you do you mind is this an offer yeah, but asking really good questions is about the only way. If But if you're on the other side and you're a youth leader and somebody comes in and says, I've got this problem, and you don't ask questions, I think you're failing at your job. Yeah. And if you don't engage to some degree, I think you're not doing a good job. You've got to engage like with the heart of that kid, and you've got to, you've got to put yourself in the scenario to some degree. Um, you can't just keep tabling. Like, some churches like have the opposite of our problems. They got way too many counselors, and they take way too much of that relationship away. I see, yeah. One of my mentors said a while back um, about a church I was at that was hiring a lot of people, and he said, I said, you know, our pastors don't really have to go to the hospital anymore. They don't really have to go to any of these other things anymore. And he said, Christopher, think of this. If um, you cease to be a good pastor— when you no longer remember the cold chill of the rail next to a hospital bed. And what he meant was, oh. as a pastor, you should be visiting people. You should know what it smells like in a hospital. You should yeah. know, like, the temperature in most hospitals. You should know how that hospital bed is uncomfortable. And, you know, like, you should know those things because you're regularly there. And that's such a big wake-up call for people that we know. Uh, the young guy that I'm going to plant at church and they think it comes down to website design yeah. and a cool name and how to get my worship band and put the ship lap up and all of this. And, and then all of a sudden, one of their parishioners, one of their members is in that hospital. And there's this moment of, well, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate, but you're absolutely right. That's the real stuff. It's not the staff lunches. It's not camp. It's not those things. And I think that from a youth perspective, that is way more important walking through life and being a resource to these families to whom God has entrusted these kids than planning, you know, your game. But yeah. yet the game gets most of our focus. Yeah, I agree. So when we come back on the next episode, we're going to dig a little bit deeper into this and ask some more practical questions and give some more practical insights on Okay, well, how do you know you go? You need to go to the next step. You ask those questions. You engaged with them. Uh, maybe you take a six-week approach where you're like, let me meet with your kid every six weeks or so and once a week and then kind of follow up with you. you know. And we're going to talk about some of these things, like maybe steps you can take before you, you say, ultimately, this. I think this scenario is out of my depth. We need to hand this off to a, a, a different type of professional. Uh, so thanks, guys, for joining us, Dave. Mm-hmm. As always. <laughs> well, actually, as of this one Steve, time. As, as of this one time. time. Always, he, he'll be back next week. We'll see you guys.